0: I wonder how observant y'all are. In reference to what? I'm about to tell you. How many have been down to the fellowship hall in the last 24 hours? Okay. All right. What's the scripture on the bulletin board? What song? 36. Ma'am? 36. 36? Why would she guess 36? Any idea why? That's the one That's the one wrong for this Sunday. You're right. That's not the one I'm in. It's 18. <laughs> <laughs> it's pink paper on it. That's right, it's got pink paper. Yeah, I That's right. I, I could have told you I color the paper. Now, if you would, to introduce Lord, turn to Psalm 18. What have I told you how the book of Psalms is different from every other book in the Bible? How is the book of Psalms, besides being the longest, how is it different from every other book in the Bible? No there are no chapters. Each Psalm stands alone. And every once in a while you see some evidence of that. For example, the heading in Psalm 18, it says, to the chief musician, a Psalm of David. That's Psalm 1 8, right? Now turn to Psalm, switch those digits. Go to 82. 81, right? <coughs> Psalm 81. And since this is the second time I've thought about this, look at verse number 2. What's it say? Take a Song. Boss calls the secretary and says, Take a letter. God tells David, Take a song. So, that's number two. If you take that 18th song and double it, you get what? 36. Yep, 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 yep. Ain't that a hoot? You can do a lot of interesting things with numbers. Somebody said, Figures don't lie, but liars' figures. you can jumble numbers. up. It's interesting how numbers work out. Let's look at Psalm 36 today. We have 12 verses. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart, there is no fear of God before His eyes. For he flatters himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left off to be wise and to do good. He deviseth mischief upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep. O Lord, thou preservest man and beast. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore, the children put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life, and thy light shall we see light. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come against me, and let not the hand of the wicked remove me. There are the workers of iniquity fallen there, cast down, and shall not be able to rise. By the way, there's one verse here that should be very (coughs) memorable to one person in this congregation besides myself. Verse nine. Verse 9. Yes. You know why Marsha do that? Because we spent 10 years teaching in a Christian school and this was their motto. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. See, if you see things in my light, from my perspective, you'd be messed up. If somebody else sees something from somebody else's you point, it might be messed up, but if we can see things in God's light, So, I don't know who picked that for a motto, a school verse, if you will, but that's a good one. And I want to show that in Psalm 36, we have a contrast. We saw in Psalm 35 how David versus the wicked. It began in Psalm 35, but of course it continues. Because we should all watch our thoughts. You know why? Well, one reason our thoughts become your words. You know, they say some people don't have a filter. Whatever they're thinking, they wind up saying. That can really mess you up. So be aware of your thoughts, because they become words. And be thoughtful of your words, because they come out in deeds. They form habits. They display and define character. Now, the kiddos here might not know what I'm talking about, but a few years ago, there used to be a TV show. I think I came on late Sunday night. It was hosted by a boy fellow from England by the name of Robin Leach. Y'all remember Robin Leach? Before you
1: time.
0: <laughs> well, you are younger than me. <laughs> Robin Leach, he had a television show called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. You remember that show? It's show, folks how the rich would live. And people are drooling over the homes they had and the clothing and the cars and all those fantastic things. And if that didn't get people to being covetous, I don't know what would. But I want you to know that there are two basic lifestyles. We have two ways to see things. That's how we think. Two ways of speaking, that's how we talk. And then two ways to be, the ways we act about God. And that's delineated in this psalm. In the first four verses, we talk about the lifestyles of the wicked and the rebellious. And then after that, we read about the mind and heart of the righteous. But see, the wicked don't care about God. They laugh at us. You have different priorities, they will tell us. You don't see things the way that we do. Well, we have to agree with them. They don't see like we do, and we don't see like they do. Because they have a mind and a heart that are both contrary to God. When we see in verse 1, there's no fear of God before his eyes. You may remember back in Psalm 10, verse 4, it says that the heathen, God is not in all his thoughts. Now, to me, that's a pretty good hint that God ought to be in all of our thoughts. Every thought should be captive to what God has said in this book. Some people, I want to see what Ann Langer says about that. I want to see if e, we e, pardon me, what E. F. Hutton says about that. I want to know what my buddy says about that. I want all my ch- chums, I want to know what they think on Facebook. Oh, that's all over the board. What does, God take? what does God say about a thing? That should concern us. When Moses appeared before the Egyptians, I don't think he went in fretting too, too much about what the Egyptians would have said and felt about his conviction. But look at me, please, in Exodus chapter 9, verse number 30. What is the record? Here is Moses, who had presented himself before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh didn't give a hoot about the Lord. He said, who is the Lord that I should obey Him? Well, Moses, of course, as an obedient servant of God, put on what God would have him do. And God began to pour plagues upon Egypt. Now, Pharaoh... (laughs) Even when I was a little kid, Pharaoh was kind of stupid. Because it seemed like after a while, he'd say, we don't need this. We we could do better without these Hebrews. Look at verses 29 and 30. Because Pharaoh says, and it's interesting in verse 27, he says, I've sinned this time. Well, he'd sinned other times too, but now he's getting the picture. And he tells Moses, Ask the Lord to get rid of this plague. I'm getting tired of this stuff. And Moses said unto him, As soon as I am gone out of the city, I will spread abroad my hands unto the Lord, and the thunder shall cease, neither shall there be any more hail, that thou mayest know how that the earth is the Lord's. Now in this place we believe that the earth is the Lord every one of God's people should be convinced beyond their shadow of a doubt that the earth is the Lord's. He do not think that way. And isn't it interesting that Moses adds a little something here. He looks Pharaoh in the eye and says, As for thee and thy servants, I know that ye will not yet fear the Lord God. Something wrong with this guy to be like that. But you look in scripture and time after time you're reminded of how it is. Call it hard headedness. Call it hard heartedness. For example, in the 112th Psalm, it opens by saying, Praise ye the Lord, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Are you glad that God tells you what to do? You should! The very first psalm. The one who delights in His way. That's what it's all about. That's where we ought to be. And in case you get forgetful of that, the 128th psalm begins. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. What does God tell you to do about a thing? How should you think? How should you feel? How should you speak? How should you act? You want to know? If you're serious, we've got a guidebook right here. Marcia. Uh, sometime in the last two days, Said, we, we got a package with some frozen food, and uh, I think we threw out the directions. Did <laughs> you directions on how to eat the food? No, no, but maybe there was some way to prepare it. Okay, okay. You, you got me there. Look at uh, Proverbs 16 and verse 6. Proverbs 16, verse 6. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And really. Focus on the second part. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. I guarantee you, folks, don't just say, you know, I think i just listen to what God says. I think that's going to be a pretty good perspective. It is. It ought to be the perspective that people take, but uh, that doesn't come naturally. The last chapter of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, and verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. But this is the whole duty of man. You know what God begged you and me? To fear God and keep his commandments. Surely there's more to it than that. You're going to argue with Solomon? Solomon the wise man? I don't think that would be a good way to go. So, the mind and the heart of the wicked, they're contrary to God. They don't have any fear of God, as we can see in other passages, which I won't uh, give you tonight. If you act I'll be glad to tell you. Look also in this psalm, look at verse 2, for he flattered himself in his own eyes. We talked this morning about the man who goes in to pray with himself, it says in the Gospel of Luke, and he brags on what he's done, where he's been, who he knows, and all that he's got in his treasure chest of goodies, hero badges, and that sort of thing. (coughs) He flattered himself in his own eyes. You know, in his own eyes, most men are legends. You doubt it just just ask him. I used to live with a fellow who he would just spin yarns and at first I thought, wow, this guy's done an awful lot of stuff and he's been in an awful lot of places and it didn't take me too long to figure out that uh, he's saying a bunch of stuff. He just loved to spout off this at the other. But it is interesting that the wicked like to spend an awful lot of time in self-congratulation. I saw something, and, and uh, I think it wound up on the back of the bulletin about Mr. Spurgeon. He says, you know, some people, <laughs> they, they got to toot their horn. They won't, they won't kill a mouse, he says, without telling everybody. And he has some good counsel there, Mr. Spurgeon. He says, I would advise you to speak much of the Lord and <laughs> lessen yourself. That's uh that's good advice for all of us, myself included. Look at verse four. Because what do they spend their time doing? Scheming, plotting. He deviseth mischief upon his bed. I tell you when an honest person, he works hard and he gets into bed, and he probably if he thinks of the Lord and he ought to, he ought to pray. Otherwise, he'd probably just I'm beat I get some sleep. But the wicked have all sorts of designs, all sorts of plans to see what kind of dirt they can get away with. To sort of see what a mischief they can accomplish. You, watch out for somebody like that. It, this is the sort of thing that doesn't resonate with God. Jesus 7 says, God made man upright, but he has many inventions always schemes, always thinking there's got to be a better way, including better than the way God tells us to do a thing. We'll see this again in the Psalms. And in also in verse C it says he abhorreth not evil. Ain't no big thing, they'll say. Not really a problem. So contrary to God. God says a thing, and the natural man says no. I don't think so. I'll do my own thing. I'll do it my way at my time, for my own reasons. And they're not content to just keep it to themselves. They'll tell you that. They'll tell you I think that's the stupidest thing I've ever. what's well, what God says. I don't care what God says. That's what they'll say. I hope we don't Come in with them. Look at verse 3. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left off to be wise and to do good. I'm not going to go there. I'm not interested in that sort of thing. We saw that in just the last psalm. Verse 20. They speak not peace, but they devise deceitful matters against them that are quiet in the land. They're troublemakers. They go out they find people to mess with them shake them up. Rattle our cage. And as we saw in verse 2, the second part of the verse, this man was flattering himself until his iniquity be found to be hateful. You know what? Some people are just so obnoxious that they make other people sick of seeing them around. But they're not holding back. What is the end result? of that lifestyle, that mindset. Well, it's a dead end. In On Proverbs, I believe it says, God says, all them that hate me love death. You know the sinner has a death wound? really does. You might not think about it, but it's what God said. I'm sure going to argue with him. But a person like that makes a habit of doing evil we saw. And they don't behave wisely or well, as we saw in verse 3. Well, that's the lifestyle you don't want to follow. I don't care how much money they make. I don't care how many fans they might have. What about the mind and the heart of the righteous? See, the first four verses deal with the bad news. And then 5 through 9 we, sit, we take a look at the righteous. Number one, they put their trust in the Lord. I wonder how many times God's Word says, in one word, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. It's in the Psalms, it's in several other books. We put it on our coins, but do we really do it? I'd like to think so. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and Don't rely upon your own ways. In all thy ways, it says acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So time and time again. I want you to see something. David had a great-great-grandmother. Her name was Ruth. You know about Ruth? Look with me, please, in the book of Ruth, chapter 2. There was a man named Boaz. Boaz was evidently a an older man, a wealthy man, and he was kin to... The family into which Ruth had married. The beautiful picture of the kinsman redeemer in this book. But Boaz has been watching this dear princess that was Ruth. She was a Moabitess, but she had a way. She had some principles to her. Look at verse 12. He tells this young lady, The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of heaven, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Mm -hmm. Some people have been reared in the faith. Some of us maybe grew up in a Christian home, grew up in a church where the Bible was taken seriously, where we were encouraged on a regular basis, to think as God would have you to think. To speak as God would have you to speak. To behave as God would have you to. But not everybody's like that. And one of those groups was the Moabites. They were cast, They were scouring. The Moabites descended from Lot and his incestuous relationship way back there in Genesis. They didn't have a whole lot going for them. But yet, Ruth, she married the son of Elimelech, and she was around Naomi, and she had come to believe that she went back with Naomi to a land where she didn't know anybody there except Naomi. And Naomi she was all bent out of shape. She said, don't call me a name that means Little Miss Sunshine, because I'm Little bit Miserable. I'm grumpy grump. <coughs> you know, she went out like happy and came back grumpy, if you will. But so he spoke of her. <laughs> he noted there was something about this Moabitess. She had come to put her trust in the Lord. That's a wonderful thing. But what are the consequences of that? Look at verse 7. The first thing is, if you're a righteous person, you've come to see that God's loving kindness, there's no substitute for it. It is an excellent thing. I'll tell you what, when I was a little kid, if the teacher said, good work, that was that was that was commendable. Or when they said excellent, mm-hmm. hey, that's that's cradle crop. Nowadays, some people use the word excellent for anything and everything and all the time. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O oh God? What did Boaz say about Ruth the native of He says. You have come to put yourself under his wing. And now her great-great-great-great so many times grandson is used of God to say, Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. You know, the some people, they don't come up in a Christian home. They don't come up around the sound of the gospel. They might be fully grown. They might be in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, maybe even older. Before they come to know Christ in the saving way. You know, we tend to think wouldn't it be great to live your life and then, when you're toward the end, then you can get serious about the things of God. Now, the Bible says, remember your Creator in the days of your youth. That's right. That's just the earliest, uh, the time you say, well, it's too early to think about things. That's why we got kids in Sunday school. That's why we, we speak with them. We're exhorted in the Word of God. The Hebrews were told that fathers were to take their children, at, whether it's at the table or out doing the chores or whatever, talk about the things of God, challenge them about the things of God. That's what we ought to be doing. Those that we have a sphere influence, you know, people talk about all kinds of stuff. Why not talk about the things that are most important? The things that are of eternal value. That's what it ought to be about. Because God has no comparison. When we think about how everything we do reflects what we think about God. And what we think about the creation, your fellow men. God makes no mistakes. That means whoever your neighbors are, that didn't just happen. There are no accidents, there are no coincidences in the plan and purpose of God. You get up tomorrow morning, and you think, "Well, we got this trip, and we're going to do this," and you go and you got four flat tires. There's a reason for that. We're supposed to rejoice in the things that come our way. Might not be what we were planning. Might not be what we were expecting. But yet, God gets our attention. His loving kindness is excellent. We're to enjoy and rejoice that overarching attendance that God would have us have toward that. For example, in verse 5, Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Have you ever ever had a friend let you down? Well, if you haven't, you've got a better relationship dealing with people than most folks, myself included. Some people, you just you just can't chase them off with a stick because they are a true blue friend. But those kind of friends come very rare. There was a man in ancient Greece who built a house. And it wasn't very big. I think it was about the size of a library at Mormon. Next time you drive through dormant, try to find the library. If you blink, you'll miss it. it's about as it's a little bit bigger than an outhouse, but not much. And not much to it. Anyway, this man, this ancient Greek. I think it was Plato, but I'm not sure. He built this house, and people said, surprised a man of your intellect and your ability. Build a house so small. And he said, it's true this house is small, but I wonder if I can fill even it with true friends. People who will be there for you. People who care about the same things that you may care about. But when you think about our great God, think about how He is. To be a faithful one. God won't let you down. God will not leave you in the lurch. He's merciful. He is faithful. Look at verse 6. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Now there are little mounds out there. And then there are things like Everest. There are things like Kilimanjaro. There are other great mountains. Wow, look at that. Men prepare, women prepare, they get the strength and the materials, they get their equipment, and they get all kinds of maps, and they challenge that mountain. They try to climb up the face of that mountain. How come not too many people are challenged to live up to the code of righteousness which God has given them? Thy judgments are a great deep. Either we want to go way up there, or we go way down there. See, God's got the whole gamut covered. Thy righteousness, like the great bond, thy judgments are a great deed. And you know who gets us through? It's the Lord. O oh Lord, thou preservest man and beast. Elsewhere in the Psalms, it says, the young lions do lack and seek their meat from God. And sometimes we don't even want to pray over it. Where would it come from? How do it give? And there's a confidence that we saw already. We're talking about lifestyles. Look at verse 8. The rich and the finest, they might have a big house. And so many attendants, so many servants, so many vehicles, got their own jet, got their own this, their own that. Wow, wouldn't that be something? they got a pass for this and a pass for that. Money is no object for those people. Look at verse 8, though, concerning the righteous. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. I shall make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. Pleasures and treasures occupy humans so much. And yet if you go to the 11th of Hebrews, it tells us that all of those treasures and all of those pleasures that were dangled in front of Moses, he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Can you say that about your life? We ought to be able to say that. We ought to say I have decided to follow Jesus, and I'm going to live by His precepts. I'm going to follow His example. I'm going to be part of the solution instead of whining, instead of feeling sorry for ourselves, instead of comparing ourselves with. There's a song coming up pretty soon. Fret not thyself over evildoers, because that's what we do. Now I don't think Robin Leach is alive anymore, and I don't think his show is on anywhere else. It's got. Maybe they've got on one of those gazillion channels we have on our TV. But I, I'm saying, there are probably some people, they just drool and they see, wow, that movie star's got this. That other person has got that. Wow, just think. I guarantee you, you get pattering after money where money becomes a god to you, and there's no satisfaction. You, Got to have more. And so one of the richest men, Rockefeller, he lived a pretty competitive life. Oh, he had money in the bank. He had accountants working full time, just telling him how much money he had. And yet, on his deathbed, when they asked him, Sir, there's one thing you could have in this world. What would it be that you don't have already? And he opened one eye and said, More money. Hey, he had more money than he'd spent. But it becomes a circle, a vicious circle. But this sort of lifestyle that we're talking about, we've seen this so many times already, just here in the Psalms. Look at Psalm 16. Psalm sixteen eleven, Thou wilt show me the path of life; in Thy presence is fullness of joy. You want to be happy? I'm really happy. Be the presence of the Lord. Rejoice there. At Thy right hand there are our pleasures forevermore. The next, Psalm seventeen, the last verse, verse fifteen. As for me, I will behold Thy face in righteousness. I really I will shall be satisfied when I awake. With thy likeness. I want to be more like Christ. I want to think as he would have to think. I want to care about others as Christ cares. You see, the Lord knows what's going on in our hard hearts. And this beautiful imagery in the Word. The Lord willing next week we'll look at Psalm 37. There's a perfect man indicating You might come across them someday. But in verse 4 it says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I think I told you before when I was 14, 15, my ambition in life was to be a busboy in a Mexican restaurant. I was going to get that tub and clean those tables, and maybe I'd get some tacos and burritos afterward. Well, if you told me at that age, You're not going to do that. I might have been crestfallen. Because you think different when you're 14 and 15 than when you're in your twenties and your thirties and forties and fifties and well, you know how it goes. If you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. There are an awful lot of things that you will never achieve. And it, you might say, it would break my heart if I couldn't have such and such. The Lord has a perfect way. And the Lord puts you through some tree. If you had told me at 14 or 15, I hadn't even left California. I mean, I couldn't have found Mina, Arkansas. I, I couldn't have found Little Rock, Arkansas. I think I could have found the Mississippi River. That's about as close as I could have with a map back there. But God has a way of changing your want to. God has a way of changing your perspective. And the longer you live, I hope you're not still wanting to do this stuff when you're 8 years old, or 12 years old, or 14 years old. I hope the Lord has worked in you and through you. But what about the wicked? We should delight. In the things of God, we should know what He's about, but that's not the wicked. An epilogue, we look at the last three verses of this. What's it all about? Let's read this. Oh, continue thy loving kindness unto them that know Thee. See, that's the thing about God. He's not only good in the past and good in the present, He keeps on keeping on. Even if you get cold, even if you get hard, even if you use let's see, I didn't I think it was high school I used, to, used this word to use this word, to be inured. You get to the point where, eh. Doesn't really matter. Nothing really matters. That's a bad place to be in you think it really doesn't matter what I think, what I do, how I spend my time and talents and all of that. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come against me. Let not the hand of the wicked remove me. There are the workers of iniquity fallen. They are cast down and shall not be able to rise. Let me tell you, you can make heroes of people who wind up zero. My first year in Bible school, we had a guy, no kid to me, but his name was Randy. a uh, Brother Randy, too. But it wasn't my brother. Anyway, this guy, Randy, he he made a profession of faith, but, and he may have been saved. I hope for his sake that he was. But I was visiting with him once in his house. And he got him a guitar. And he's noodling around on the guitar. And he said, you know, Brother Steve, I. I, I really like playing the guitar. I, I just get a special feeling when I play the guitar. And that's all he said. That's all well and good. I think a person will enjoy what they do. Marsh plays with a piano. She loves to do it. I love to listen. Those of you who are talented with musical instruments, I can't do it. Well, I, I can play. If you put it on a CD and push the button, and do that. That's about the best way I can play an instrument. But this Randy, he's, he's fiddling around on his guitar and he said, but see, you know who Jimi Hendrix is? Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I wish I could play the guitar like Jimi Hendrix. I'd give anything if I could play the guitar like Jimi Hendrix. A <laughs> couple of weeks later, we got the news. Jimi Hendrix died 27 years old, choked on his own thoughts mm-hmm. Next time I saw Randy, he said, Steve, what I said about Jim Henry, I didn't mean it! I said, hey, you don't have to explain it to me. It's interesting how many people start out with such promise in whatever they un- undertake. There's a whole group of people like they called members of the 27 Club. You may have heard of a group called Nirvana. They had a leader, Kurt Cobain. He died, 27. Janice Joplin, 27. I think Jim Morrison, has lead singer of the Doors, 27. There aren't a whole lot of rock and rollers that live to be as old as I am. One reason or another. It's not just that way, I forget if his name was pronounced Jobs or Jones, but he's a big computer guy, didn't finish college, but uh, Steve, you all know what computer it is, I'm still, Apple, thank you sir, thank you, anyway, Apple computers, and that guy, he made money hand over fist, he seemed to have the mightest touch. When it came to stuff like that, what happened? You see, folks, if you live for the moment, if you live for the pleasures and the treasures, you can't hang on them anyway. They're gone. And then what legacy do you leave behind? We saw here in these three verses how we need to understand God is righteous and we ought to be, of course, more like God. Our righteous, our desire ought to be more of the same. There was a Christian philosopher who wrote a few years ago, what is the meaning of love? And it meant romantic love. And he said, I think true love means I just want to go on. Loving her. Or loving him. I like the way things are. And when it comes to the Lord, I believe that ought to be our desire. I want to just draw closer to the Lord. It wasn't long ago we looked in the 27th Psalm when David says, One thing have I desired. He didn't I want to have a gazillion dollars in the bank. I want to have a herd with a gazillion of horses or sheep or whatever. I, a flock. Anyway, he wasn't looking at the material things. Job was a wealthy man. But God gives wealth. God allows it to be taken away too. You know what Job said? Me, old God did me dirty. That's the way his wife encouraged him to think and talk. But he said, the Lord has given. The Lord has taken away. Did you finish what you said? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Whoa! Can you say that? Can you really? So sort of, I used to be strong and healthy, and I I would get all these records, and I could I could do all kinds of things. And yeah, slow down, maybe. You got to realize you have limitations, and that can get a person's attention. When you're 18, you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. You can handle the world with one hand tied behind your back. And then pretty soon you want to use both hands. And pretty soon you want some F. And pretty soon you need some more F. And then pretty soon you're watching the sidelines. And so it goes. But if you see, as the Lord has done probably the most famous of the psalms in the twenty-third. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And that's not the end. Y'all remember Paul Harvey? Oh, Paul Harvey. Come on, the radio. And he would tell stories. He'd tell about somebody, and you don't know who he's talking about, but boy, this person had an interesting life. And, and you see this, and you see this, and different turns, twists in life. And then this is how it ends up. And he says, and now you know the rest of the story. Remember that? From this point on to the end of your life, or until the Lord comes back. How will the rest of the story go? Will you be always scrapping and fighting and clawing and screaming and doing everything to acquire stuff? that you can't take to heaven anyway. There won't really be any good to you. But think of what David says. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me.
1: What do you leave behind
0: in your wake? Some people leave behind destruction. They make enemies. <coughs> They cause evil. You know, one people, one one person I read about in history, real famous, but what did he leave behind? Him? Adolf Hitler didn't leave a legacy of good, of kindness. No, tried to ruin the world. In a lot of ways, he really messed things up, even of the German people. When Mary went to Germany for a year on an exchange program, I was talking on the phone and I said. Do they have copies of Mein Kampf? Dad. don't even mention it. They don't want anybody talking about that in Germany now. They're ashamed of what Hitler was. Course, we have some crazies that think he was really wonderful. He had a Messiah complex, and he suckered some people into believe in that too. But how did he end up? The end greater than the beginning. We need to understand that. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What happens after that? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What comfort. How that will speak peace to us. Because sometimes life can be pretty hard. Sometimes things are so confusing, so, so confounding. Sometimes people make very bad decisions. And then when things come down on their head, they, uh, they just want to do the wrong thing. they seek out some quick fix. These are the things that prove to be the ruin of the wicked. But may they not be alone. The lifestyle of the rich and famous Sometimes it might seem attractive. I'm not saying that all rich people are mean and scoundrels and wicked. No. I know some rather wealthy Christian people. You wouldn't know it because they're not flashy. They don't show it. But they look for ways to invest in the kingdom of God. They look for a missionary. Who might be struggling. They look for some cause in which good can be done, but doesn't toot its own horn a whole lot. May we be used to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Ronald Lynch probably won't come around and talk about this, but that's okay. Let's stand for a word of prayer.